On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Brewers Weekly is always more fun after a victory. Brewers take three out of four against the Miami Marlins. They're up four and a half games in the Central. They're in very good standing in the wild card. And they're getting ready to host the Washington Nationals. I'm Dominic Catronio, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Real quick, in this first segment, we're going to talk about the game that happened earlier today. Obviously not a traditional post-game show today, but just talking about what went down. But as for some of the broader stroke uh, subjects we're going to talk about today, we're going to get you the path to the postseason, you know, the minimum records, and magic. I don't care about magic number until it's single digit. Uh, but we're going to give you the schedules here coming down the stretch. Also, the pitching is on one heck of a run right now. We'll give you some numbers to really chew on for a little bit as well. The outfield picture and the injury updates, Christian Yelich, Mark Canna, uh, the guys down in AAA, Garrett Mitchell, Blake Perkins, uh, and such. Also, a quick look down in the, on the farm, final week of the season for AA, the high A Carolina Mudcats, or uh, sorry, Loe, Carolina Mudcats are playing right now in a do-or-die playoff game. Uh, AAA is also playing right now, give you updates down there. And then also some thoughts on the Heim Bloom firing today by the Boston Red Sox. They are parting ways with their lead baseball operations man, Heim Bloom, in his fourth year on the job. i got some thoughts on that, and I think we need to see eye-to-eye on that. But first, let's talk about today, shall we? Brewers had lost yesterday, and it was a very flat day, right? Losing 2 nothing, not getting any offense, just not getting the job done. Today, they started out that way, you know, allowing a sack fly in the uh, first inning for Miami, so they get out and running downhill, and the Brewers didn't do anything in the first three innings until Rowdy Telez hit a game-tying sack fly in the bottom of the fourth inning. I thought that was a huge moment for Rowdy because the situation called for one thing and one thing only – Get the ball out of the infield. The infield played in with one out, and Rowdy did his job on an eight-pitch battle, mind you. That was a very good at-bat. And Also, I want to say I'm very, very uh, impressed seeing with my own eyes Aouri Perez. He's a stud, man. 20 years old. 20 years old, six foot eight, throwing 98 like it's nothing. Uh, I understand. The Marlins are taking a lot of flack for getting ready to shut him down, being on an innings limit. He's 20 years old. They wanted the franchise cornerstone. So, And with Alcantara out and being real, they're probably not going to move on out of a wild card series. So I get it. It's a hard decision to make for Miami right now. But he was impressive until the fifth inning. Uh, Adrian Hauser gave the lead back. And Adrian Hauser pitched well today, mind you. First start out of the IL, five innings, five hits, two runs, both earned. No walks. I thought that was key. And five strikeouts for Adrian Hauser, he only uh, threw 82 pitches today. I think that was by design. In the bottom of the fifth, the Brewers responded in a big way. Down 2-1 to one now after tying things up. And, and it got kind of wacky. It all started for the Brewers on a single by who else but Andrew Monasterio. Bryce Terang dropped a bunt. I repeat, I repeat, Bryce Terang dropped a bunt. Did exactly what you guys were asking. And then the Brewers were rewarded for it. On the very next pitch, it was a wild pitch to put Monasterio to third. So now, same situation that Rowdy had. Anything out of the infield, the run's going to score. And Tyrone did that one better. He had a double in the left center field. It scores the tying run, so now it's 2-2. Two to two. 
Weimer strikes out, so now it's up to Sal Freelich to bring home the last run. And on the first pitch, he ambushes, and uh, the Brewers had some excitement at the plate. Taylor leads at second, swinging the base set to right. And they'll try to score him. The throw coming on, there's going to be a play, and they got him. Tyrone Taylor says he's safe. Stallings, with the ball, is headed toward the dugout. Well, there was a challenge. Thank goodness for that here in modern baseball. Here's what it sounded like. I'm not even sure there was ever an actual tag applied on Tyrone Taylor. Maybe he got him on the shoulder at the end, but he's in there for sure. This is going to get overturned. Yeah, it, it uh, for Jacob Stallings, I don't know why he took the throw where he did. He, he actually backed up. It was a one-hop perfect throw. The throw was there, and for whatever reason, Stallings backed off his one play. And uh, he took the throw, applied the tag, which didn't happen. It was a heck of a slide. It's on my Twitter, at Dom underscore Catronio. And Tyron wasn't done. How about some insurance in the seventh? The pitch. Lined into left center field. That's going to get down for a base hit. Terang's around third. He's going to score. Tyrone trying to stretch it into two, and he's in there safely. Another RBI double for Tyrone Taylor, his second of the game, and the Brewers with a 4-2 lead. Lane Grindle's call here. So the Brewers win 4-2. That was the final. Devin Williams came on. He got his 34th save of the season. Uh, I just want to give you some numbers here real quick on Tyrone Taylor before we put uh, close the book here on what's gone down uh, in today's game as they win the series three out of four since August 1st. That's kind of been the date, you know, since the trade deadline is what we look at a lot for the Brewers lately. Tyrone, in his last 33 games, this is including today, 106 plate appearances, so not a small sample size. His last 106 plate appearances, Tyrone is hitting 293 with a 340 on base and a 525 slugging percentage. Heck yeah. Absolutely. Sign me up for that. Love that. Good to see from Tyrone Taylor continuing the production out of the bottom of the order. Uh, we know about what Andrew Monasterio has done. Josh Donaldson had a solid first week as a brewer, too. And you know what? Things are okay. Things are okay. Let's talk about the pitching, because that's really the story. I barely, I really glossed over the fact that the Brewers used all of their A bullpen today. Piguero in the sixth, Uribe in the seventh, Piomps in the eighth, Devin in the ninth, and it went exactly as you would hope. No one allowed a run. They got insurance. Boom. You win a series. So let's talk about the heck of a run that the pitching is on right now. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. And I tweeted this earlier today, and Tom in Pewaukee here on the text line, Happy Cardinals are eliminated day to all who celebrate it. Now, they're eliminated from the Central. They're not technically eliminated from all postings. They will be soon, but they are eliminated from the Central. The Cardinals will not be NL Central champions. But we will have a bigger celebration when they are officially out of the playoffs when that day comes. I'll be have a bigger celebration, too, when the Cardinals officially uh, will have a losing record. Uh, because, look, they're at 65 and 81, so one more loss and it's all over. Okay, no more gloating. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna wake up next season. <laughs> you know, so enjoy it while it lasts, kind of thing. Take our first breather. Get back with more after this on WTMJ. 
Welcome back. I'm Dom Catronio. Quick text here. I'll answer this text. We'll have a full outfield segment coming up. Texter asking, why is Yelich on the bench? He's not on the bench. He's hurt. He's been dealing with a back for the last six days. But the expectation is that Yelly will be back in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, never placed on the IL. Just wanted to make sure that he was good to go. He's been dealing with a sore back. And they expect him back in the lineup tomorrow. So he was not actually available the last few days. This all flared up on Sunday against the Yankees. Uh, appreciate the text. Let's talk about the pitching staff, shall we? Holy cow. Woodruff, the complete game shutout on Monday. Freddie Peralta, dominant after the leadoff home run on Tuesday. Wednesday wasn't bad. They used the opener and Colin Ray. They only gave up two runs but lost 2 nothing. Then today, Adrian Hauser only gave up two runs in five innings in his first outing in two weeks. And then the bullpen locked things down. Great stuff right now from the staff. So you look at things, look at some numbers here. In September, the Brewers have the best ERA in baseball, 2.59 ERA. If you want to get historic here, these are some really fun months to look at. The lowest ERA as a team for the Brewers in a single month, it goes back to, just think in your head, what what month do you think would be the best month in Brewers franchise history for pitching. Think to yourself for a moment. Did you say 2008? Did you say August of 2008? Some guy named C.C. Sabathia rolling through the doors. Him and Ben Sheets. Dynamite one-two punch. Giovanni. That's the answer. They combined for a 2-5-3 ERA. The whole team had a 2-5-3 ERA in August, re-energized by C.C. Sabathia arriving to the team. The second best mark was just a couple years ago. July of 2021, when they really hit their groove with Adamas well in the fold, the tread deadline approaching. They had a 2.56 ERA in July. And I was doing a little a little bit of digging on the uh, July team, and this is what this is a stat that blew my mind. The player with the highest ERA. You're going to love this. The player with the highest ERA on that team, minimum two appearances, okay? Highest ERA on the team. Who do you think that was? Matt Sossler, our producer. July of 2021. Who do you think had the highest ERA on the team in that month? Matt, I honestly don't know. I'm going to have to go. Was Miley on the team in 2021? Miley was not on the team in 2021. I mean, you know, you would you. There's a few candidates on here you would instantly think of, like you know, forget that Angel Perdomo was on the team, Miguel Sanchez was on the team, uh, Hobie Milner was trying to figure out how to get right-handed hitters out, but no, none of those guys. It was in fact Josh Hader had the highest ERA in July. <laughs> he allowed six earned runs in five and two-thirds innings. So imagine how much better it would be if he was actually Josh Hader that month. That's kind of wild. Uh, so that made me smile. That made me chuckle. But right now, the Brewers here in September have the third best ERA for a month. Now, granted, we're only, what, 13, 12 games into the month. So it's a little bit of a small sample. But again, 2.59 ERA. They're only .06 off of the all-time record set back in 2008. And with them being in the middle of a pennant race and their rotation healthy, there's a lot to get excited about with this rotation. And as I continue to look, and I'll bring this up every show, looking ahead. You always have to look ahead because now that we're in these final two and a half weeks, three weeks, you know, the, you're down to just one hand of starts left. 
So Corbin is going to go on Saturday. Okay, Miley goes tomorrow, and with the the oddity of them going with you know essentially a six man rotation this last time through. So you had Corbin on Sunday, that's one. Woodruff on Monday, that's two. Freddie Peralta on Tuesday, that's three. The opener on Wednesday, that's four. Hauser today, Miley tomorrow, that's six. Now Ray has been optioned back down to AAA to make room for Hauser on the roster. So they're back to a five-man rotation, which means this one extra day of rest, they're probably going to flip Corbin and, and Wade in the next go-round, I have to imagine. Because if Corbin goes every fifth game like we've been talking about, he's still lined up to go in game 162, and they would give Wade Miley an extra day on the 26th, or they would just hold him for an extra day to have Corbin start on his regular day on the 26th and then push Woodruff and Freddie to go in the finale against the Cardinals and the first game against the Cubs in that final week. So stay with me here. If they have, It all depends on what they decide to do after the off day, the final off day of the year on the 25th. As it stands right now, you have two options on that Monday, on that Tuesday, the 26th against the Cardinals. You can start Wade Miley, you know, because it would be, he would be next up in the rotation, or you can start Corbin Burns on normal rest because of that off day. But what that does is if you start Corbin Burns on normal rest on the 26th, that keeps him on normal rest for the first game 162 if necessary. But if you decide to go Miley on the 26th because he's the next man up, Burns then on the 27th, that Wednesday against the Cardinals, he would have to start game 162 on short rest. So it really depends on where the Brewers are standings-wise to get to that point. And you're also assuming health. So I just wanted to give a little quick synopsis on that, of the decision that's looking. We have another Brewers Weekly next week. We'll also have... Uh, a modified post-game show after the 28th, even though that's a, a day game. So we are going to have content every day of the week, aside from Monday the 25th, from now until the end of the season. Okay, there is something coming from Brewers coverage here on WCMJ every day from now till the end of the season, aside from the off day the 25th. And maybe I'll even throw it together an episode for you that day. So we're going to be with you. Every step of the way. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's talk about the playoff picture. Let's, let's let's start mapping some things out here. The Brewers are in going to be in the playoffs. Okay, They are going to be in the playoffs. It's a matter of where, who, what, how. Stay with us. Just getting rolling here on Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. So for everybody freaking out that I just jinxed things about, oh my God, Dom, you said they're in the postseason. Yeah, they haven't clinched yet. You don't care about magic. 99.9% chance to make the postseason according to fan graphs. And just to give you the numbers to make you feel a little bit better about them being in the postseason. I didn't say they're going to win the Central. I didn't say they're going to be the top wild card. They're going to be in the postseason. Okay. They're 82 and 64. The last wild card is 76 and 72. So they're up. Eight in the loss column with 16 games to go. You can go 500. You know, that's eight wins. You're going to be fine. So don't don't freak out. It's going to be okay. They're going to be in the postseason. As a mas- matter of how, here's how we figure things out. The Brewers are four and a half games clear of the Cubs right now. 
And the Cubs have a big series this weekend getting ready to go with the Diamondbacks out west. They've been hanging out in Arizona waiting for Arizona to arrive. They had to they just got bludgeoned with their horses in the last two days against the Mets. Zach Allen yesterday, Merrill Kelly today. So the Cubs miss both of those guys. Which if you're a Brewers fan, it's like dang it, missing the races. Brewers are up five in the loss column against the Cubs. And the reason why this series is so big for the Cubs is that they have to sweep it to not only claim the tiebreaker on Arizona, but they can really do some damage against Philly in that stretch since Philly just got their teeth kicked in by the Braves this week. So now the uh, wild card race is getting very, very interesting as far as who's going to be the top spot. Right now, Philly is clear by a game and a half on Chicago. 79-67, and 78-69. They are done head-to-head. San Francisco, Arizona, and Cincinnati are all virtually tied in record, and then Miami's only a half game back. Four teams for one spot. Oh, so I tweet the tiebreaker graphic every uh, today. I'm going to tweet it on Friday. I'm going to update it now that the Giants actually just got postponed tonight. But uh, I will update it every Friday and every Monday here down the stretch, every Thursday, every Monday, I should say. I'm going to do it tomorrow because of the Giants. But the tiebreakers are wacky right now. The path for the Brewers to win the Central, though, is simple. If they just go over these next 13 games, before those final three games against the Cubs, if they go 7-6, and 7-6, six, and six, okay, don't get to blow the doors off the place. That'll put them at 89-70 and 70 heading into those final three games. That would require the Cubs to be at least 10-2 and two over their next 12 games. And even if they go 10-2, and two, they're still one game back, meaning they would need to still win the series to take the Central. So they would essentially have to finish 12-3 and three over their last 15 games when you include that series of the Brewers to win the Central if the Brewers play 500 ball. If the Brewers go 8-8, eight and eight, it would require the Cubs to go 12-3. and three. There's a series against the Braves in there. Yes, the Rockies and the Pirates are not very, very, uh, let's just say, they're looking forward to the next season. Let's put it like that. Let's put it lightly. So I understand the fear when it comes with that, but this Diamondbacks weekend is going to be massive. They go with Arizona for three, then take another off day on Monday. Home for three with the Pirates. Home for three with the Rockies. Final off day on the 25th. Road for Atlanta for three, road for Milwaukee for three to finish the season. They would essentially need to win every single series down the stretch. I'm not saying it's impossible. But the Brewers, if they are at least 500 down the stretch, it requires the Cubs to have a stretch for the ages to get into the postseason. I am not saying that's impossible. We saw the Brewers do it to the Cubs in 2018. But that's just playing 500 ball. The Brewers are in the driver's seat. They can play better than 500 ball. If they just go something like 10 and 6, they can probably, depending on what the Cubs do, afford to lose that series because they'll be up by at least uh, three games heading into that series. They can just win one and win the division. 500 ball. Winning series is always going to be the goal. And winning a four-game series is hard. And you face the top of their rotation minus Alcantara. Okay? Braxton Garrett, Jesus Lazardo, 
and Yuri Perez. That's who they're rolling with moving forward for the Marlins. And their bullpen's tight. The Brewers should be very proud of taking three out of four from them. But now they got the Nationals, who took two out of three from the Brewers out in Washington. They're no slouch. They've got some energy. They can hit. They can't pitch, but they can hit. So you better bring the hit, the hit and choose out here this weekend against the Nats. So let's let it play out. Don't get greedy, but just being real. If the Brewers are, in, are just 500 down the stretch, it requires a Herculean effort from the Cubs, which is not impossible. And we don't care about magic numbers until it's single digits. So stop tagging me in magic numbers. And I don't care about postseason magic number. I care about central magic number. The Brewers have big expectations. Win the Central, things get a little bit easier for them. Because then if you win the Central, you get matched up with the Dodgers as opposed to the Braves if you move on and go into an NLDS series. And I'd rather face the Dodgers than the Braves if you're going to move on. Some folks have asked me, who would you rather play of those wildcard teams? For me, it's the Giants. No offense. Logan Webb's really good. Alex Cobb is solid. But... Uh, I, I, there's no offense there. I, I would play them. Then I would play Cincinnati since you went 10-3 and three against those guys. You have you were the first team to crack the code on Ellie De La Cruz. I would not want to face Arizona because of their two aces at the front end, and they can hit. Corbin Carroll, Tommy Pham, they already took the season series from the Brewers this year. I don't really want to face Miami because of their pitching and their bullpen being so left-handed heavy. And I really don't want to face the Cubs. Could you imagine six consecutive games against the Cubs? Three of them to decide the Central, three of them to decide a wild card series? I don't think any of our hearts can handle that. So keep the Cubs in the two or the one. See them in the NLCS. That would be crazy. Could you imagine that at I-94 NLCS? That would be wild. Now the question is, what's the stadium split? It would be That's a lot of Cubs. It'll, it'll be more Cubs. We know that. I think that would be quite interesting to have an NLCS, but you have an mm-hmm. I-94 wildcard series. I'm not ready for that. The manipulation in that final series, depending on what's locked up yep. in terms of pitching, is going to be something that we haven't seen before. Yep. And I will be in Atlanta for that Cubs-Brave series for the first game of that series on Tuesday. So I will be uh, watching from afar for the Brewers that night. And uh, getting first-hand look at what the Braves are doing to the Cubbies. And for folks thinking, oh, the Cubs have, or the Braves have nothing to play for. False. They're going to clinch the one seed. I know that. But they need to throw all of their arms. They need to throw their guys because they're not going to pitch for a week. The NLDS wouldn't start until the Saturday following the Sunday the season ends. You know, we, we talked about this last year, that only one of the four teams that got a bye moved on, and that was the Houston Astros, right? The Astros moved on. They won the whole dang thing. But then you had, uh, or sorry, in the American League, it was the Yankees that also had the bye, too. But they moved on and faced each other, and then the Astros moved on. In the National League, the Dodgers and the Braves both got bounced in the DS. Anything can happen when you get in. And that's what the Brewers are hoping for. Uh, I want to talk about the outfield picture coming up next. Yelich, Canna. The minor leagues. What, what's coming for Joey Weimer? Let's, let's talk about all of that coming up next on WTMJ. I see what you did there, Matt. The outfield. When talking about the outfield. Let's start with the injury updates. 
the Brewers are expecting Christian Yelich to be back in the order tomorrow. So that will help stabilize left field. Maybe he'll DH tomorrow and they'll ease him back in the defense. Mark Canna has wrist soreness. He was pulled from the game on Tuesday. Doctor said nothing structural, nothing damaged in there. And this is something he's dealt with before, he says, and he knows how to manage it, and he should be just fine here soon. They did not put a timeline on his return yet, but I would expect him back hopefully by the end of the weekend, maybe even tomorrow, depending on how he wakes up and feeling. And also you're seeing uh, a lefty, Patrick Corbin, I believe on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. going to double-check that real quick. So I imagine he would be in the lineup by then. Yeah, Patrick Corbin on Sunday. So righty tomorrow, Wade Miley versus Jake Irvin, the righty. Corbin Burns versus Trevor Williams on Saturday. Brandon Woodruff versus Patrick Corbin on Sunday. But as for the outfield, and you know, I got a lot of negativity in my feed about Joey Weimer. And Joey Weimer, I- I'm going to put my hand up here. I, you know, somebody asked me during the off season, you know, like of the prospects, right, of these the freshmen that were arriving, the Garrett Mitchells, the Joey Weimers the Bryce Terangs, the Sal Felix, Dom, who, who are you most excited to see aside from Jackson Churio? I hitched my wagon to Joey Weimer because I said of the potential for power. He's got more power than all of the other guys. And it hasn't translated at the big league level. And for the folks worried about Joey Weimer's development, I want to remind a few facts for you here. Weimer, he's down to a 206 batting average, uh, a 285 on base percentage. It has not been pretty here in the second half, uh, a 645 OPS for a guy with 19 doubles and 13 homers. It, it hasn't been great, and he knows that. You know that. But I want to remind folks of something. Joey Weimer didn't make the team out of camp. The reason he got called up when Luis Arias got hurt on opening day is because Tyrone Taylor was hurt. And I told you Tyrone Taylor's numbers earlier Now that he's finally healthy and good to go, Tyrone rushed himself back in May, wasn't fully healthy, had to get healthy. He's still playing through some pain. I asked him about it point blank the other day, and he kind of looked at me like, it's it's September, you know, I mean, everyone's hurting, nobody wants to make an excuse. Tyrone's still playing through it. And I feel for Joey, because, you know, maybe another 150, 200 at-bats in AAA would have helped him out. Because now he's getting exposed. The breaking ball. He has no answer for a big league breaking ball right now. He swings and misses at sliders 38% of the time. Swings and misses at curveballs 45% of the time. It's not good. Not good at all. He's only hitting 148 against sliders. Slugging 193 against sliders. So... What do you do with, with Weimer is you wait for Garrett Mitchell. Now, Blake Perkins is on a rehab assignment. Blake Perkins is playing in AAA. I don't know if he's going to be back up because of the bat. Garrett Mitchell waiting doctor approval this week to see if he can go down and start playing games in Nashville as soon as possible from his torn labrum. Remember, he has to perform. He has to prove he's healthy. But there's a still a very good chance... Garrett Mitchell, if healthy and everything goes according to plan, Garrett Mitchell will be playing in the big leagues by the end of the year, and that would mean Joey Weimer's spot is then compromised, and he goes back down to AAA. I would love to see Garrett Mitchell back in the show, and I would also love to see Joey Weimer given a chance in AAA and get the refresh. Churio's coming. Mitchell's returning from health. 
Weimer's going to need to reset his offseason and see what kind of swing he arrives with in 2024. Because as he learned, he's a rookie in the big leagues. I am not going to overreact. He never got a chance to really get his you know footing because he got thrown into an everyday role when Garrett Mitchell got hurt. You know, we initially thought, okay, Weimer's holding place for Tyrone Taylor to come back, and then Mitchell gets hurt, and Weimer has to stay. So let's let the kid develop and see what happens moving forward. But Canna should be back. Yelich is expected to be back tomorrow, and Canna should be back over the weekend. Neither of those guys are on the injured list, so there's no uh, roster move needed to be made here. Want to get to a quick text here, 855-616-1620. This one from Ringo and Goodman. It's September 14th since they bottomed out at 500 after 68 games on June 14th. That was after getting swept by the Twins. The crew are 48-30, which is just over a 99-win pace for 162 games, averaging almost five runs a game and a plus-75 run differential these last 78 games. So a lot to feel good about with three weeks to go. Love it. You're coming at me with numbers, Ringo. That's my kind of guy. Appreciate the text here. So you're absolutely right. A lot of folks don't believe the negativity. Oh, this offense stinks. They can't score a run. Those folks haven't watched since the 4th of July. Okay? You've been watching every day. You've been listening every day. You know there's some thunder in there. And the bringer of rain has had a heck of a week. Josh Donaldson. There's a lot to get excited about. So buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride for these final two and a half weeks. Can't wait. Take a breather. Come back. Uh, talk about the miners. Uh, there's some... Fun stuff happening down on the on the uh, farm system right now. Stay with us. This is Brewers Weekly. Let's give you the uh, picture of what's going on down on the Brewers farm right now. I'm Dominic Catronio on Brewers Weekly. You know, it's the end of the big league season. It's the end of the minor league season. Uh, you got playoffs happening right now in Low A, and it just got dramatic out in Kinston, North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina. My Former stop for two seasons in minor league baseball. The Down East Wood Ducks, the dudes, as they're called. They're the opponents of the Brewers, the Carolina Mudcats and Zebulon. That game is in Kinston at good old Granger Stadium. And a clutch double play just turned by the, the Mudcats, so that's huge. They're one out away from forcing a decisive game three in the uh, division series. That's huge. That's in the uh, single-A Carolina League. In Biloxi and double-A, they're still playing regular season ball, and now it looks like their back is going to be against the wall. Biloxi will need to win out. Remember, in double-A, you have halves, right? You The first half champ versus the second half champ is the uh, in each division, then play each other in the champion. So uh, Biloxi, assuming they lose tonight, they're down 6-1 to one at the bottom of the ninth right now. Brock Wilkin has come back down to earth. He has not hit a home run yet tonight, but he's due up second this bottom of the ninth. Uh, the Biloxi Shuckers will have to win three in a row to make it to the postseason now uh, in their final three games of the season starting tomorrow, assuming they lose tonight. Uh, Nashville, some good news, though. Jansen Junk got the win. Uh, yesterday, Robert Gasser pitched very well, too, for the Sounds. They win over the Charlotte Knights 5 to nothing Down there, Blake Perkins went 1-for-5 in rehab. Uh, Owen Miller hit a home run tonight. He went two for four. Also drew a walk today. And remember, Keston Hira is hurt right now. He's got elbow inflammation. Uh, the Jesse Winker had the day off. No Darren Ruff either down in Nashville. So that's just a quick little update as far as what's to come for the farm. 
Uh, Jackson Churio just hit a single while I was giving that update, so he's got two hits tonight. He's two for four. He's hitting two seventy eight as a 19-year-old in double-A. There's a great piece written on him in Baseball America. Uh, I tweeted it earlier this week about what's going on with Jackson Churio and all the numbers since the sticky stuff, the sticky baseball that was tested in the Southern League's first half, that it's been a direct correlation of Churio's takeoff is when they eliminated the sticky baseball which is what he'll be playing with in AAA in one day in the big leagues. So he'll be playing with a regular baseball moving forward. And uh, he's taken off. I mean, looking at Churio's splits, because that's what anybody wants to talk about, and understood. For Churio, pulling up his second half numbers here. Stand by. Here we are. The first half, 252, 724 OPS. That's not bad for a 19-year-old. Second half, 303. So 50 points better. 874 OPS, 150 points better. You see what we're saying here? So Churio's a freak. He's also cut down his strikeouts in half in the second half. So again, sticky ball wasn't right. It's uh, not quite ready yet. But I tell you what, I was talking to some evaluators this week for the Brewers organization. They are glowing about this draft class. They are practically giddy. I mean, the high schoolers won the Arizona Complex League Championship. You know, all the 18 and 19-year-old kids. You got low A in a playoff chase. You've got double A in a playoff chase. And you've got some top pitching talent coming up. Carlos Rodriguez will be up probably at some point by the end of next year. Robert Castro will probably be up at some point in the end of next year. The Brewers farm is in very good health right now. And uh, double-checking on that Carolina game. Out in Kinston, oh, they're still they're still playing. It's stressful. It's men on the corners and two outs. They're up five to four in the bottom of the ninth. So we might have an update by the end of the show. We got uh, another six minutes or so on the program. Take a breather. Come back with our final break and uh, look ahead of the Nats and get some thoughts on Heim Bloom's firing up next on WTMJ. Last few minutes of the show here. Looking ahead to the weekend, give you the broadcast schedule here first and foremost. Nats come to town for the weekend. Shoot, they were probably in town by the time the Brewers weren't even done with the game, given they had an hour and 50-minute game earlier today. Nats, Brewers tomorrow, 7-10. Coverage will begin at 6. Greg Matzik has Brewers warm-up. Then on Saturday, I've got you on Brewers warm-up at 5 o'clock for a 6-10 first pitch Saturday night. And then on Sunday, back to the normal day game time, one ten. I'm on the air at noon with Brewers warm up. So let me first before I get into the uh, Heim Bloom stuff. Yes, we've all seen the reports on David Stearns being tied to the Mets. He signed a five year deal. You know, reportedly this is not official yet. None of this is official. And I, I just simply tweeted: This is some dream stuff. This is not big market versus small market. And some folks push back on that. I, I get the feeling of kind of being left at the altar in a way here with David Stearns. But let's be honest. David Stearns did his job and then some in Milwaukee. He exceeded every expectation, and he has made Milwaukee into a perennial winner. David Stearns has been awesome. If this was David Stearns getting picked up by the Red Sox, you know, then it'd be the small market versus big market conversation. But... It's been widely reported, it's been the worst-kept secret in baseball that David Stearns is a Mets fan. He grew up in Queens. 
and always wanted to work for the Mets. It was his inspiration to work in baseball. This is more about a guy going home than it is about big market versus small market. It is so rare to work for the team you grew up loving. So I'm really happy for David Stearns. This is a really cool moment for him and his family. Matt Arnold's got a really, really good thing going on here. And uh, all of his uh, compadres are getting things good, uh, getting things right here in Milwaukee. Now, on the Bloom subject, I was shocked when I read that headline today watching the game or getting ready for the game because Bloom did exactly what Red Sox ownership asked him to do, which was cut payroll. They told him to trade Mookie Betts, not Bloom. They were not going to pay Mookie, which if I'm Major League Baseball, if the Boston Red Sox don't want to pay a franchise corner, I know they paid Rafi Devers, and I know they signed Chris Sale, but you're the Boston Red Sox. Pay the man. You don't get to play small market. You don't get to play poor. You don't know what it's like. You you ain't in the mud with us out here, okay? So I was shocked that Heim Bloom gets fired. And now we're going to see a trend arrive in baseball. And this is what I'll wrap up with. That, you know, we see general managers hiring managers to fit the scheme, to fit the mold, to fit what, you know, what the computers and what the nerds say, right? That's why you see a lot of managers you've never heard of that are becoming managers. We're not seeing the ex-player become a manager anymore. We're not seeing the Craig Councils become managers. Okay, Buck Showalters, those guys are last of a dying breed. We're seeing the Matt Quattreros. We're seeing the Pedro Griefols. We're seeing the Ollie Marmoles. They handpick guys with the GMs. Now, are the Red Sox going to handpick a GM that won't spend money? Because they tell them to not spend money, even though you're the Boston Red Sox? It's going to be a very interesting hire for John Henry and the group in Boston. I'll end with that. This is going to be fun. we got another Brewers Weekly next Thursday. I'm on the air tomorrow with Brewers Extra Innings as well. Thanks to you for listening. You can catch everything on Brewers All Access wherever you get your podcasts. For our producer, Matt Sossler, I'm Dom Catronio. Keep on swinging.